Welcome to the Afternoon Snack Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Root. This is a podcast about... Well, hold up. I want to be part of the intro, too. Okay, go ahead. Uh, oh, n- never mind. You can you can do it. Okay. Uh, like I was saying, I'm Meredith Root, former engineer, CrossFit Games athlete, and owner of Tactic Nutrition. That was the one and only Alex Parker, former lawyer, also a CrossFit Games athlete, and co-owner of Tactic Nutrition. This podcast is about fitness, health, nutrition, CrossFit, business, mindset, and things that grind our gears. Wait, hang on. Ivy wants to say something. Go ahead, Ivy. Ah, she's, she's shy. No surprise there. Our goal is to give you something to think, talk about, hopefully make you laugh a little along the way. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, Alex. Wow. Thanks for having me on again. Two in a row. This is incredible. Did your other guest fall through? Yeah, they did. Yeah, so here we are. Just the two of us again. Can't complain, though. You're a pretty good guest to have. We have a good dynamic. We do. Speaking of dynamic, um, we did something last week that we have not done in many moons together. We went head-to-head on a workout. And that was not my idea. It wasn't programmed by Mike. It was Alex's idea. So we walk into the gym and like, we don't go to the gym very often because lately we've just been working out in our basement so that we're safe from contracting COVID and saving time commuting to and from the gym. It's wasting so time talking to people. Um, so we head to the gym and I look at my programming and it's 20 minute AMRAP of 10 cows on the echo bike. And then one strict ring mu- muscle up, one kipping ring muscle up. And I'm like, Meredith, what's your workout? And she was like, it's 20 minute AMRAP of 10 cows on the echo bike and one strict ring muscle up with a med ball in between my legs. Like a 14 pound wall ball. Yeah. And I was like, well, like, when are you going to start that? And so we're, I'm like, well, we can just go together. And I don't know. I think it was, I was like, well, we could like, what if we just kind of went like head to head? Because essentially it was the same workout. You just had a strict and a kipping and I had one weighted strict. Yeah. And then you said something about going head to head. And then I think maybe Mike overheard that and he was like, oh yeah, just do the same workout, 20 minute AMRAP. And he told me I should just change mine to your workout. Yeah. And I was like, sweet. And I thought... I would be fine. I'm not as good at strict muscle ups as Meredith or muscle ups in general, but I thought with the bike and the fact that, you know, the muscle ups were fairly spaced out and it's 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, how, I mean, I feel like I had a pretty good chance. Like my, my confidence was a little too high in hindsight. Meanwhile, I'm like, I can't believe that she just suggested we do this. I'm like, she must've, you must have not been paying attention to my last four weeks of programming because I've been doing strict muscle ups, like a gazillion of them a week. Like it's just what I've been doing. So I was like, well, this is going to end poorly for both of us. (laughs) So just as always, Meredith takes forever to warm up. And then finally we get going. And like right before we start, she's like, well, what are you going to bike at? Which is always the question that I ask when we're going head to head. I was like, I don't know, faster than you. And then I was like, game on. (laughs) (laughs) 
I realized that I had made a huge mistake after round two. Was it two? Was it only two in? Two in. Yeah. Because it's pretty much like, I think that the trick was anytime you see strict muscle ups in a workout, you kind of assume that the the intensity is going to be lower. But it wasn't. No. <laughs> it was pretty much like like off the bike, immediately doing muscle ups, immediately back onto the bike. It, like it was, it was a non-stop. lot of biking. And then I think with the strict muscle up, you're like bracing. Yeah. So that made me feel like kind of nauseous and like <laughs> sick. Yeah. Um, I was... Cons- and like I hadn't done anything like high intensity besides like running, which for me, like my heart rate stays pretty moderate. Yeah. And I'm not really... Like when I'm in the basement alone, like I do the workouts... And I'm probably working at like 80 to 85%. Like it's a just hard fine. effort, but it's not like you just don't have the extra motivation of being around somebody, especially the person that you're the most competitive with in the entire world. And then I think at like four rounds in, which is still under the five minute mark, <laughs> we're not five minutes into this workout. You look over and you go, don't lap me. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> then in my head, I'm like, I'm running some calculations and I had kind of like, okay, I'm this far ahead. And like, I know like calories on the bike and will it be give and take a little bit. And then I was like, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to lap her. It'll take the bulk of the workout, but I'm I'm pretty sure that I can make it happen. And then, yeah, it was like around 15, I think is when it started to happen towards the end. And then I I like, I, for a second, I was like, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should just like, oh, I'll go get some chalk and like my hands are so slippery and like maybe I'll fail a muscle up <laughs> oh. or something. And then I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like round three, two, I was like, okay, new goal. Don't get lapped. <laughs> and I was trying so hard that at one point I was like, I think I have COVID. Because <laughs> you're breathing. Like, I, I don't feel well. I can't breathe. Something's wrong with my lungs. That was a workout where numerous, like, numerous times I looked at the clock and I was just like, are you serious? Yeah, I was like, like is the air dryer in here? Like, why does my throat burn? Yeah. How are we only eight minutes into this thing? I remember getting to 10 minutes and you think like, oh, okay, wait a minute. You're still, you're only halfway. It was long. It was a long workout. But, and then I guess Mike was having a conversation with a couple of our friends on the sidelines being like, you think Meredith's going to lap her? I don't know. She's not really that type of person. But if roles were reversed, Alex would definitely be laughing Meredith. Oh, 100%. And mm-hmm. that was the ultimate factor in my mind. It was, it was I, I flipped the script and I was like, oh, f- Alex has never <laughs> held back. Even when I was training for the games and my ego needed her to hold back a little bit, you didn't. <laughs> so I was like, screw that. I'm going to lap her. And I'm going to look at her while I do it. I was, <laughs> yeah, whenever I beat you, I'm like, she's weak. <laughs> yeah. Can't believe I'm with such a weak human. <laughs> I think I would like lap you and then just be like, weak. <laughs> You're a win. You'd be crying. I'd be like, suck it up, loser. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like. Savage. Not that far off from the truth. Yeah. But that was good. I was kind of, I was like a little unwell. You were really unwell after that workout for. That was high effort. Yeah. But good. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like you don't realize the effort you're putting in. Like it's still a good effort, but like how much more you can go until you're 
beside somebody who's going hard and you're like, okay, I can step it up. What am I doing? Which is precisely why we should never do a 5k time trial together or a 10k or anything. Yeah. This is why we don't usually train together. (laughs) It's too much. Yeah. Actually like beyond the, the implications for our relationship, it is like, it's just too much intensity. It is detrimental. Yeah. The physical process progress. But anyways, that was fun. I'm glad I won. Not that I doubted it, but oh, getting the yawn out of the way. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Boundaries. Do you care to elaborate on that? Go right ahead. So we're going to talk about um, setting boundaries with yourself, with other people, and then how doing that affects um, relationships. It affects how you feel on a day-to-day basis like with yourself and your progress in whatever field you're trying to make progress in and then how to adjust those to make sure that you're not self-sabotaging without realizing that you're self-sabotaging. So lead us off. Okay. So I think the first thing that needs to be done is to hang on, hang on. I actually have a surprise for you. Oh, Oh, God. So we're not doing a podcast about boundaries today. (laughs) We are um, doing a surprise Q&A for Alex podcast. So yesterday I put up in my (laughs) Instagram story a picture of... I'm explaining it. Just listen to me. (laughs) Yesterday I put up a picture in my Instagram story of uh, you and I said... This week we're going to do a surprise. I'm going to do okay, a surprise I just Q&A. read several articles on boundaries. I know, that's the best part. Um, we're going to do a surprise Q&A uh, podcast for Alex. So like hit me up with any questions that you have for her or um, <laughs> advice that you'd like. You can make it as weird or awkward as possible. And then I hid the story from you and also from Tactic. So you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have seen that. So I have a bunch of questions oh, that great. people submitted. <laughs> you know how i hate surprises i know i know and that's why like i thought about doing this and i was like there's a really good chance that she just gets onto the podcast and i say this and she's just like no (laughs) no absolutely i'll see what the questions are yeah so um i'll just pull up my (laughs) my list i was just doing this downstairs if you were wondering (laughs) what i was doing over there so I have, um, I have, we received a lot and I think oh my the, goodness. the best way to do a lot of these. Is that why no one's answering my, ask me a question on Instagram today? <laughs> it might be. And you have a knack for this kind of crap where like I come up with a surprise <laughs> idea and I think it's really going to be great. And then the day that I do it, you're like, well, maybe I should do a Q and a on my Instagram. And I was like, <laughs> really of all days, hey, I'm going to take it down as we speak right of now. All the days. So um yeah maybe you could just put up a story that's like so apparently meredith's just surprising me with q and a's okay um so anyways we got a bunch and i think a lot of them are going to be short answers if you feel like some of them necessitate a, a longer answer then do that but i i broke them up into subcategories so we have life training work relationships nutrition and random so i think it's going to be really great um Shall we begin? Please. Okay, great. I'm just going to move my laptop over so I can. Now I truly do feel like you're your guest. 
I know. I know. I want I want to make sure you feel special. Do you need water or anything? Let me just have a sip. Yeah. Prepare yourself. Make sure you don't pull your mic up so this gets recorded. Yeah, great. Ready. Super good. All right. <clears throat> this one's from Alexis Johnson. And the question is, what is Alex's most disgusting habit? Both Meredith and Alex can answer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that would be a good one to lead off with. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> okay. Um, I... Uh, aside from the fact that her bathroom... I'm just going to remind you, the sheets in the guest room aren't washed. Yeah. So if you need to sleep there tonight, I you're going to get gonna have out of the to wash. do that. Yeah, that's fine. I'll handle that. I'll just... I'll start the wash right after this. Um, okay, so besides the fact that your sink on the, your side of the bathroom <laughs> always gets like 10 times dirtier than mine, and I don't know why that is. That's not it, though. I'll, that's not probably 100% your fault. Um, the... Something most people don't know about Alex is that she she drools like a leaky fire hose when she sleeps on her pillow. So when you look at her pillow, there's just like there's like drool marks all over it. Do you remember like back in the day there was a dating show on MTV and it was so creepy because you got to go into the person's house and like snoop around their house and like see, you know, how everything was and. <laughs> they would always take a black light out in the bedroom and i was like that's so rude and disgusting but if we black lighted your pillow it would just be covered in like drool so i think that's that was the first one that jumped into my mind but in your opinion what is your most disgusting habit that is a tough question um I, I am honestly the, the least disgusting person I know. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So we'll go with drool. Yeah. The drooling one is good. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything actually disgusting. There's like something I'm probably pretty bad about. Not that this is disgusting, but I'm not like, I'm not great about shaving my legs <laughs> that's true i do i do them when i have time yeah <laughs> which we're pretty busy these yeah. days the best is when you have clearly decided not to do that in a while and then you're like can you maybe just massage my calves <laughs> for a few minutes and then you like plop your leg up and i'm like oh, okay okay and i don't know sometimes you're like massaging them and i don't know if it's like the combination of the cream with like lint but you're always like picking things <laughs> off <laughs> it's like it's lint from your socks okay yeah that's actually pretty disgusting when i'm doing your feet and i'm just getting like balled up lint <laughs> yeah so that's a good one we'll uh we'll go with that so drool on the pillow give me some credit here i'm actually a pretty clean person you are you're the, you are actually one of the least disgusting people that Thanks. i've ever encountered okay um we'll move on to the next one um what's your most embarrassing story oh man these are really tough i i need I don't... You can do it. I like the RX Smart Gear one if you're going to tell a story. What's that one? About the like the photo shoot? Oh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, that one. So it's not that embarrassing. I've never really had like something really embarrassing. Like you always hear stories about like, like it really embarrassing, like sex stories or like period stories or mm. like, you know, bathroom stories, but I've never had that. And I think it's because I'm so sensitive to being embarrassed that I have avoided at all costs. Um, but anyways, I, so I had a photo shoot with RX Mark here. So I, I f they flew me out to California and one of the, there was like, it was a couple days. So I did like a, a photo shoot with the, it was a whole thing. It was so, ugh, just thinking back. So basically they had me do three different photo shoots full four. So one was just like standard jump roping like they wanted me skipping and so there was just like a, a white background and then just like kind of headshots with the rx markier t-shirts on and me like kind of holding the rope like modeling with the rope and first off like they had somebody come in and do my makeup and my hair and they made me look like somebody who i wasn't so i was already super uncomfortable like they slicked my ponytail back like slicked my hair back which I don't think I look good with slicked hair back. Mm -mm. Like I need some like s volume in my hair mm -hmm. or like messiness, I guess. Um, and then they put on quite a bit of like makeup and my face looked really shiny and it was just very uncomfortable. And then the, probably the most embarrassing was when they were like, um, do something funny, like do something silly. But I'm not that person. <laughs> like I'm that person where if you, if you ask like in a group of photo, a, like a group photo shoot be like oh like now be crazy I look the same in like the regular photo and the crazy photo yeah and they kept like forcing it like no just do something crazy like stick your tongue out do something funny with your hands like do something fun and I was like I don't know what to do <laughs> <laughs> and it was like I would probably went off for like five or ten minutes and it got to the point where I <laughs> was basically crying and they were like okay we'll just wrap it up here and then they wanted to do a, and I love, that's a, it's a great company. It just like, I just, the whole photo shoot thing, I'm just not the most comfortable with to begin with. Um, but then they made me do a photo shoot where they had me dressed up as a lawyer. So kind of like professional attire. And then one of the, one of the photos was me like on top of a boardroom table, like taking my shirt off. So it'd be like transforming from like a lawyer into a CrossFit athlete, but in one photo that doesn't really <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you're stripping on a table. Yeah, and I was like, oh god. And then they made me do a photo shoot like it on the beach, like lying in the sand. And like, granted, they were great photos. They turned out to be great photos. But I have never been so uncomfortable in my entire life. I'm just thankful like nobody really was around to yeah. see that. But I would say that. Yeah, I I really really try to avoid embarrassing s embarrassing moments. Yeah, probably when I farted in front of you too. The first because you were the first one, and you were like, "Well, hold up." Well, you were like mid sentence, and then you <laughs> you just did it, and then you carried on. And in my opinion, because uh, I was mortified, the first fart is a milestone in any relationship, and like you held out for like a year and a half, and I was like, "We cannot let this moment." pass without recognition so 
I stopped you <laughs> mid sentence and I said, Did you just fart? <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Okay. You want to move on? Yeah. Please. The, the house was on fire. Meredith and Ivy are safe. What five things would you take? My bike. Either one of the cars. I want to say my truck because it's a it's rare. Um, but probably the Audi because it's more expensive. Um, probably my engagement ring. And my pillow. <laughs> because I need that to sleep. Yeah very particular about pillows that's four so one more maybe probably like the most the next most expensive item which would be like my skis or my ski boots yeah i don't i'm not i'm not a sentimental person no, those are all super logical. Three of the five things you mentioned were actually in the garage, so that it'd be easy to get out. Yeah. Yeah. You'd really only have to struggle for the ring and the pillow. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, what is an example of how you've grown as a human being, and what is an example of a change in perspective that you have had in your life? It's two questions, but kind of one. Um, this is kind of a more recent one and I think it kind of has to do with specifically the business, but it, it's carried over into like kind of my daily life. So I'm one of those people that when something happens, I bl completely blow it out of proportion. <laughs> no way. I have not noticed. So like in my head, like it's the worst thing that's ever happened and I'm never going to be able to get over it. So like, <clears throat> for example, like if I do poorly on an exam, which has happened to me in like in law school, it's like the end of the world. Like I have a completely um, irrational response to it or like, you know, we have a not as great of a month with the business or, um, you know, somebody complains about the one time plan that happened. And in the moment, it's like, I feel like I'm going to die. Like my stress response is so extreme. I can't control like nothing in life matters is except for this event and I'm trying to like talk about it make sense of it like it's it's horrible but what I've learned is that like two weeks after those what seem like big events but are actually small events they don't really matter anymore it's like even a couple of days later it's like you get over the bad grade and you move forward or this is even like it's even true for breakups like I've been through breakups where I feel like I'm never going to find anybody ever again like or you know I've never felt like this before or um you know even with like you know you lose a family member or somebody that you love and in the moment it it is it's it's just it's absolutely awful but if you give it time and you you try to stay calm and like see it in a different light and like be a little bit more rational and actually like maybe acknowledge the feelings in a different way and move past it like most of the time, at least every time in my life, like things have been okay in the end. And so when something small happens, um, like we have an issue with like apparel or somebody a, like a, a client, it's like I just try to stay calm, problem solve, and, and tell myself like in two weeks this isn't going to matter. 
it seems like it's going to really impact us, but it probably won't. And having a really aggressive response to it is just going to make it worse. That's good. Um, kind of in that line, what is one piece of advice that has been given to you that has stuck with you for the most? One piece of advice? Yeah. Given by a coach or a friend or a family member or me. And like chill out is perfectly <laughs> reasonable advice to give someone. Um, probably my mom. Um, she always, she's always given me pretty good advice. And I think, um, I think she's kind of, she kind of went through this herself, like trying to be a little bit, yeah, like calmer and more accepting of people or situations of people i in the past i've i've always been very critical i was very critical of my sister very like just like harsh i guess and like i have very high expectations of others whether they're strangers or my family members or you and i've kind of learned to be a little bit more accepting and considerate so probably my mom who's helped me with that I am I'm reading this book on an introduction to Buddhism and it's written in like a Q&A format and it kind of goes through the history of it and what it is and then like real like life implications and how you can like practice some of those principles in your life and one thing that is mentioned in that book is um you know cuz like Buddhism is all about like pursuing enlightenment and they define what that means and a lot of our suffering as human beings and our emotional responses are actually caused by the stories that we tell ourselves about situations and people that aren't necessarily true and so an example that they give is um someone cuts you off in traffic and you get really mad like road rage mad and you, you flip the person the bird and you're cussing at them or whatever and you're reacting in a hyper aggressive way because on some level you've told yourself that this person is a bad person and they're not paying attention and they cut you off because they're being negligent or whatever and that's the story that you're reacting to you don't actually know anything at all about the person you don't know the situation that they're in you don't know if they're in some sort of an emergency like are they trying to get to a hospital is something going on with them personally that is causing them to be distracted like you have no idea but you're reacting to your version of the story and the same thing goes with you know everyone in your life and every situation in your life and so if you can control your personal narrative or check yourself in any given moment and just ask like is this true like am i being fair then you can remove a lot of the emotion from your responses which is a difficult thing to do mm -hmm. but I thought that was a particularly like poignant point because it is true. And it's, you know, we get really f flustered and frustrated and, you know, emotional about other people. And sometimes it's valid. And sometimes it's just like, we're telling ourselves the most like hyper emotional version of the story, almost 
for the explicit purpose of allowing us to get really upset and aggravated because there, it like feels good. It's like scratching an itch. Okay. Getting mad does feel really good. Sometimes. I know yeah. this is like a problem that I have and I'm dealing with it, but like <laughs> in the moment, like it feels good to be like mad Yeah. and like sad. And it's like, look, like, you know, yeah, but that's a, that's a feedback loop. <laughs> it is not a good one. It is like, an, it's known. Okay. So I was listening to this, just one more point on this. I was listening to this podcast and the guy was saying that he's like, he made a point. He's like, do you ever like, you're really sad and you're like crying and you just like, you like look at yourself in the mirror <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's almost like, look at, look at you. <laughs> you're so sad. <laughs> you're so pathetic. And it almost just like fuels you to yeah. like, like what is wrong with me? But I was thankful that it wasn't just me. No, no, no. That's a thing. Yeah. It's one of those like spiral situations. Um, okay. And being really open and vulnerable. I hope you appreciate it. I am. Yeah. Um, what are the stories behind your tattoos and do you have any that we can't see? No, I just have two. The one on my right wrist is a hummingbird. And I think the, well, so basically it's kind of weird because when my sister passed away, um, my aunt <clears throat> who lives out on a ranch, um, texted my mom like shortly after and said that she had seen like a hummingbird flying around her kitchen window, I think is the story. And so ever since we kind of just like see hummingbird stuff, which is weird because before that we never really noticed them. And now, you know, you see them on TV, not the actual hummingbird, but like symbols of, of a hummingbird. And so we've kind of associated the symbol of the hummingbird with my sister. It's just like a way to kind of like a reminder, remember, and like, as my mom likes to call like a sign, it's a sign. And we kind of joke about it, but like deep down, we kind of like find comfort in it. Yeah. And so I wanted to get a tattoo of a hummingbird, but it was my first tattoo. And so originally <laughs> I wanted yeah. to get it on the inside of one of my fingers. <laughs> they were basically like, no, that they're like, not. you, you can't do tattoos. And if you do, it's going to turn into a blob in like six months. Yeah. Um, because I guess fingers like the skin regenerates, regenerates very, very frequently. Yeah. And so I, I went home and thought about it. And then Meredith was like, well, why don't you just get it on your wrist? Kind of like where I have one of mine. So I did. It's kind of like on the back of my wrist. And I see it when I brush my teeth and in photos. And I, I really like it. And yeah. then funny story about that is I, I didn't tell my mom that I was going to get it. And I went for dinner a couple nights later. And I was like, I got a tattoo. And sh I showed her. And she was like, where did you get it? And I told her. And she basically the next day went to that tattoo artist and was like, I want this exact tattoo that you just gave my daughter. So we have matching tattoos. Yeah. In the same place, which yeah. is fine. Um, and then the other one is on my other arm and it's like a band with a triangle. And it doesn't really mean anything. I kind of just wanted a band, but not something just a band, like something a little bit more. And there's some, so there are some like underlying meanings to like flat lines and triangles and strength and calmness that I can subscribe so subscribe to, but, there wasn't really the reason why I got these tattoos. I just wanted something else. And Jamie Green has them and they look great on her. Yeah. She had, she has like flat, uh, like arrows kind of. She's got a few different. Yeah. Designs, yeah. And I was like, that's cool. And then also some like, I think Anna Tunnicliffe has some like thick bands. Mm -hmm. 
and I've seen I've seen them all around. Yeah. So I just like, man, that's kind of cool, and it's super basic. Definitely. Um, okay, we're gonna move on to some training questions. Will you run Boston next year? I think I will register. Register is registration is in November. If I get in, I'll probably run it. Dealing with some like foot problems right now, so I'm like tentative to put something on the the calendar when I'm dealing with a small injury from my last marathon. But you can always defer. Yeah, good yeah. point. I think you should do it. I think it'd be a cool experience. And then I can do the half and yeah. the thing. Um, are you ever going to run any ultra marathons? I don't think so. They don't interest me as much. I like kind of running like a known event. Like you're running a marathon that's a certain distance and it's, you know, you're not going to, you don't, you're not walking. You're not in the dark. It's four hours. You can train. It's not. I think they're different. Like an ultra marathon is a test of enduring. Yeah. I think an, a marathon is a test of endurance. Agreed. Yeah. And I think those are, they're very different and it doesn't take anything away from the amount of like training and dedication and endurance that goes into completing an ultra and being competitive in that. But I think it's just a totally different modality. Yeah. And I know myself well enough. I, I like inflicting pain in when it's, it's in my control. So if I'm on the assault bike and I'm like, I want to make this hurt. Like I want to, go really hard in a workout I want to make myself feel exhausted but I don't do well with extrinsic pain so if if I get a blister I can't I just can't <laughs> or like um like an injury I also can't yeah I just like or if I'm sick don't do well with being sick no that sort of thing and I know like an ultra there's a lot of pain involved that isn't pain that you know, stops when you stop. You have to suffer through it for many hours. Yeah. Many miles. Yes. And I know you almost always have problems like, you know, losing toenails or blisters and I'm just not. Chafing. Chafing is another one. Yeah. Really uncomfortable. Super uncomfortable. Okay. Do you think a pre-run poop is essential for a good run? 100%. <laughs> do you structure your days around pooping yes <laughs> have you ever had a good run without a good poop is it a superstition i don't think it's a superstition it's like your body like you can't i mean like the like in theory you're running around like a couple pounds heavier than you need to be if you haven't i think it's just you feel like full yeah you don't want comfortable colon full because there's no reverse it's not going back up it's either staying it just, where it is yeah. or you're gonna have to make a pit stop i yeah i mean if i don't have a morning poo my whole day is ruined yeah and the only times that doesn't happen is if i'm like flying yeah like if i have to get on a super early flight and i'm like on the plane which i've never pooped on a plane something about i don't know if it's like <laughs> the bathroom being like weird or like the pressure I being up high <laughs> You and your your family is like wacky about pooping. Yeah. If I don't if I don't poop in the morning before I leave, I'm just gonna poop an hour later when I get to wherever I'm going. I have a really <laughs> specific window <laughs> that I cannot miss. You think maybe you've conditioned your body for that? Though? Yeah. 
And so this is your all your yeah. fault. You need to practice pooping in public bathrooms. Yeah. We'll work on it. Anytime like Meredith will be like, we should go up to the mountains and watch the sunrise. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> or like ski days. Ski days are bad too. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, my usual window is when we're driving to the mountain. <laughs> so how's this work? Yeah. <laughs> Both me and my mom will be like, my stomach hurts. It's like, really? <laughs> this is going to be what we talk about all day long. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's great. Okay. Um, can you provide a scientific breakdown of the wedging method? A signed, oh, that's tough. Um, I think the wedging method actually is, a, it defies. It does. Do you want to, what is wedge? Okay, so the wedging method, that's something I came up with in 2018 when Meredith was training for the games. And I knew, and I was going to be her coach at the games, and it was going to be like a whole week thing. And I wasn't exactly sure of when I was going to be able to fit my workouts in. So what I did was the two or it was like 10 days to one week leading up to leaving for Madison. I went ham on workouts. Basically I asked my coach, like give me all the testers as much as you can physically fit in. Yeah, a week, pretty much. And I did a whole story. It's on my Instagram. It's really funny. It's a video about it. Um, but basically it's like, as you get closer to the time, the, the workout, uh, volume and intensity increases drastically. So it's like the opposite of a taper. If you were to like draw a taper, it's like, (laughs) instead of getting smaller, it just gets bigger Yeah, until you break or until you leave. But I actually ended up getting quite a few workouts in at, in Madison, not yeah, including about the same road. amount of the, the same amount of workouts as the people at the games. I would like go out like you'd be off for an hour and I would just go for a run. Yeah, that was really that was a fun. That was a fun. But yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you not tie your identity to sports or maybe you do? I think the key is to have other things in your life. I think a lot of, and I can't speak necessarily from my own experience because I've never put my eggs in one basket. Although being an athlete is a really big part of my identity. I've always been, oh, I put a lot of focus on academics and career and relationships. Um, But you do see, you know, we watched a documentary on Michael Phelps recently and other athletes, Olympic athletes who've invested their entire lives into being the best swimmer that they can be or best gymnast that they can be. Or, I mean, I know, I, I know skiers who that's all they've known. Like they have their high school education and that's it. And uh, you know, that's all they do. And you see CrossFitters kind of doing the same thing. Like a lot of them, they don't have relationships outside of the sport, stuff like that. So I think the key is to have, is to not put all your eggs in one basket, hedge your bets a little bit. And so when, when, you know, your career ends or when you're, if something were to happen to your identity as an athlete, what else do you have? And if you, if the answer is nothing, like maybe you need to, you know, think about that on the flip side you know, maybe Michael Phelps wouldn't have been as great of a swimmer as he was if he had something else outside of swimming. 
you know, maybe Tia Claire Toomey wouldn't be as good as she is if she, you know, was trying to run a business, which she kind of is. I don't think she's necessarily doing it, but that's kind of the, the question. It's, it's like, yeah, you have to hedge your bets and also coming out of it, having a support system. I think it's um, interesting the stories you hear about with athletes who struggle once they leave sports, which is common. Michael Phelps struggled. I know, like, you know, some of the gymnasts struggled. Like, it's very common. They've done documentaries about it. Those are people that, like, are well-known. Mm-hmm. There are people who tie just as much of their s- their personal value and identities into their sports, and they never even make it. And so I think that's that's the more important group to focus on because it's like, what are they doing? How do they feel? Mm-hmm. It's tough. Like, I, I think I've told you this. I grew up, I was always one of the best at anything athletic related. And so for me, especially as like a quiet person, a quiet kid, especially, um, being like friends or getting friends and like, I, I was just kind of like popular because I was really good. Like everyone knew who I was. Like people wanted to be around me because I was good at what I was doing. I was winning ski races. I was the best player on the soccer team. And that's, I'm not bragging. It's just kind of like part, part, like I'm I'm good at CrossFit. So like you walk into a CrossFit class and like you're the best one, you know, the coach likes you. Like um, you're easy to coach. You're uh, that sort of thing. Like, or you're, you know, you do well in school. And so that's kind of, um, what's the word? Like acknowledged and Mm -hmm. you get rewarded for that. Um, but you have to understand that, and I've learned this, like, and my mom and my dad have helped me, you know, you're, you're not, you're not your success. Like you're your own person outside of that. And so the building relationships that are meaningful is really important. Yeah. So <coughs> I think there's always going to be a struggle when something is a really big part of your identity and that ends to some degree, but having things to turn to and feeling valued in other ways is extremely important. Yeah. I think uh, you see a lot of people who do sports like <coughs> swimming, golf, um, kind of these the big NCAA sports. And they, you know, swimmers, especially like a lot of the Ivy Leagues have really, really good s- swim teams. Like Stanford is um, has a really great swim team. And so there's there seems to be, it depends on the sport, like how much emphasis is also put on education. And I guess some of that is like how many how many of the sports funnel heavily through NCAA and collegiate programs. And there are but then there are sports who who don't put as much emphasis and partially it's because the amateur and professional levels like they don't exist at the NCAA level. I think skiing is one of those. CrossFit obviously is. And so I think like in my concern with CrossFit has been and continues to be especially as younger people get involved is the extent to which the focus is taken off of academics and off of socializations in an academic or in a like school age setting and put on athletics and in a gym. And you just have this tunnel vision that exists from a really young age and, um, you know, the implications of that I think are significant. Yeah. And not well understood and not something we will truly understand for another five to 10 years 
if the sport makes it to five to 10 years from now. I think on top of all that, social media is really going to be, I think it's playing, in my opinion, a pretty negative role in the development of like these young athletes. Cause they're just like, they're just getting just for doing what they're doing, like lifting uh weight, they're getting so much attention for it. So much more than you would ever have gotten 10, 15 years ago as a young athlete. Like it's, it's so different. It's so like, they're just, they're constantly getting this, like, like every single day they can put something up and it's like, they're get it's it's reward 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 yeah so you have kind of a twofold identity crisis you have your identity tied up in your athletic performance <coughs> which i think is normal to an extent and then you have you have have your identity tied up in your social media presence which is sometimes also linked to your athletic success but sometimes not like for me and i i wouldn't put myself in the same category as some of these younger crossfit athletes as an example but you know i would post like pictures of me working out or lifting weights or like with a sports bra on it's like you get a lot of likes more likes than you would if i post a picture of me with my family on the ski hill or doing something outside of the sport or doing you know not showing my body and so it's just like you're you're reinforcing like your value is how much you can lift in the gym or what your body looks like. Your value has nothing to do with you spending time with your family or your animals or the fact that you play other sports or that you did really well in your school exam or that you're going to school or that you have a career. Like that is not acknowledged on social media, which is unfortunate, but it's it's the way it is. It's kind of like, I mean, this is going down a bit of a rabbit hole, but it's kind of like the way people are with, money and spending money and it's sort of instant gratification like if you're saving your money that's great no one can see it no one's like oh look how much money alex has saved in her savings or in her investment account like no one knows if you go out and you you buy a brand new shiny truck or something top of the line people are going to see that and they're going to go oh my gosh like that's amazing what a beautiful truck you must be so successful when really like foregoing long-term financial security for a short-term unnecessary um, expenditure is not something that anyone would would really recommend. But our generation loves like having, like they want people to see what they have. Yeah. And also it's like way too easy to get loans and spend money. Meanwhile, I'm like driving their old Ranger around and people are probably thinking, man, tactic must be really struggling (laughs) (laughs) i'm just waiting for the floorboard to fall out of that thing you can flintstone it um okay let's move on um all right we'll talk about some relationship stuff this is a great question what did you like about meredith when you met her come on (laughs) okay another vulnerable answer i before I met Meredith, I was dating somebody who, in my opinion, treated me like crap, like questioned everything that I did, like made me so self-conscious and insecure. Um, and it was really tough. Like I liked this person a lot. So I just kind of like dealt with it and like 
they were cool and like we had some stuff in common but it was like every little thing I did it was just like analyze and I don't know if she if she had some problems like I I if you've ever if if you're ever interested there's a book called um attached it's a great book and it talks about like the three different relationship styles anxious secure and insecure and so you know my I uh I kind of defined myself in that situation as an insecure uh, relationship type in that scenario and then I I defined this this girl as an anxious person like she had been cheated on before and just wasn't very trustworthy and like confident in the relationship and um it wasn't like a long relationship it was like six seven months but it they say like anxious and insecure like very rarely like work out so that ended and I'm and when I met Meredith, which was very shortly after, it was, I've never felt so um, good about like just being who I was. Like it was instant, like this connection. And obviously we would, we had talked on texting and, and social media before that. But even then it was like, wow, this person is just really interested in getting to know me and like um, just super like accepting. And I never once um, was not my full self, not once. And I think we spent, since we met in person and spent some time in Wadapalooza together. And then we spent a few days after in Miami. And I, I remember flying home after that trip and just, I've never felt like I've connected with someone on such a, like, um, like raw level I don't raw like raw isn't the word um fundamental foundational yeah it was just it was very it's like I I don't know what the word is organic Mm. I guess Mm. and like ever since like I have never not been myself around Meredith and that's what I liked about her and what I also really liked about her she really liked me I could just feel it. And that made me feel so good. But what I liked about her specifically and not the way she made me feel, um, I don't know. I really liked your face. I liked the way you look. I was very, like, attracted to you. Yeah. Ditto. All of that. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like, I remember when we parted ways in Miami, I was like, google maps calgary (laughs) where the hell is calgary i was like oh who knew yeah that was kind of weird because it was like hey bye (laughs) i was like i don't know when i'll see you again but i guess i guess we'll sort it out and you had a good sense of humor and i found you very smart that too thanks and one thing about you is you never so whenever i texted you you would text me back, but you would never text me like twice before I texted you back. No, because I I hate when people do that to me, but also didn't want to seem like too keen. Yeah. But you were always responding to me fairly quickly. Yeah. I would respond to you quickly and then wait for however long. Because <laughs> that was when you would frequently leave your phone yeah, places. I was. So I would like send something back and then be like, all right, I guess I'll hopefully get a response in like an hour. Yeah. I always like seeing your name pop up. I have, uh, 
I have saved our entire text message conversation that we've like every text message we've ever sent. I still have and Instagram DM. Wow. Yeah. Can't so. say the same, but I know that doesn't mean it doesn't matter to me. What would you say your type is besides me historically? Uh, definitely athletic. Um, smart. Like I, I need somebody who's smart and I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say I have a, necessarily a type. I think about like the people that I've dated. Yeah. I guess just people that I normally feel like confident, comfortable around. But yeah, probably athletic to some degree. Yeah. Um, you've already answered the question. Did you date girls before Meredith? A few. It's a yes. How many? Uh, I had, had three. Yeah. Three that I dated. Who made the first move? On you and me? Yeah. That's not a, a me question. I know the answer to that question. It Was it me? It was you. It was me. Yeah. <laughs> Just barely. We were both holding out because, like, I don't know if you know the story, but we had no idea. Well, we did have some idea, but weren't 100% confident that we were, the other one was gay. So it's hard to be, like, you know, boldly make the first move. Yeah. what if you're wrong? We were still both. In the midst of our full-blown investigations of the other person. <laughs> Which culminated and ended with Alex making the first move. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it worked out. Um, do you like running a business with your partner? Love it. Why? Well, it's convenient. And I think the two of us, like we have, uh, we each have our own individual set of skills that are very different but work well together. So that, but from like a partner standpoint, I think, and I know you don't particularly like this or not going to like this answer because you've complained about it is I don't really like filtering myself. So like if you're talking to somebody in a, just like in a professional manner, you kind of have to filter yourself. Um, whereas like with Meredith, I can just be like, what the hell are you doing? Can let her rip. You can't. And like, obviously we've, I've walked that back a little bit because I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily professional, but I'm more sensitive, which kind of is a double-edged sword. Like you, you can be more cause you know, they'll accept, I'd be okay with it eventually. But at the same time, like they are more sensitive cause they're also your partner. So it's, but I would say overall, like I, I, I like it. I think like we, we work very well together. I think so. We have the same values, same goals. Different well, tools. Different tools. What yeah. would you say? Yeah, I like it. I think the biggest challenge for us is is boundaries, both in like time and physical space, but also in um yeah, in communication and you know, when you receive critical feedback or something, you can take that in a business only sort of way and not as a personal attack on your relationship. And that's something that has taken a long time to understand and, <laughs> and develop and get good at doing both giving that feedback and receiving it and being able to, to hear it, acknowledge it, uh, take action on it and not take it outside of the business and into the relationship. Yeah. 
which is uh, probably the trickiest thing about running a really running a, a business with your or running a relationship with your <laughs> running a business with your partner is, um, you know, not letting the business be the relationship and then also not letting the relationship become the business. It's tricky. It is, but it's also been a, a lot of learning. Like different events have taught us a lot moving forward. Like for instance, we had to do a presentation out in, in Indiana mm-hmm. and I Meredith's good at presentations. I've done my fair share just from like university, uh, but I'm not as confident with them. So I like to have them prepped very far ahead of time and then practice. Whereas Meredith, she can draft up a presentation on PowerPoint in like an hour the night before the presentation and be completely fine. Yeah. So we don't do presentations together anymore. Mm. Cause that was a very stressful, very, very stressful experience for me. Yeah. And for you, because I was like, can we do this? Can we do this? I'm like, we're going to do it on the plane, <laughs> which was exactly the case. And I was like, not sleeping. It's just the way I do things. Yeah. But yeah, so that was it. like, now we just, you know, approach things like that a little differently. All right. Let's move on to kind of the last bit, which will be some, rapid fire questions on nutrition and just random topics what is your favorite breakfast food oatmeal that's a good answer i don't i knew you were gonna say that porridge porridge what's the difference i don't think there's a difference i feel like porridge has a a less ideal texture in my mind it's like mushier okay then oatmeal Mm -hmm. what's one food you can't keep in the house Like any, any sort of baked good, really like muffins, cookies, scones, (laughs) scones are a problem, but not the dry scones. No. The moist scones. Yeah. Okay. Um, favorite F1 driver and why? Um, I don't know. It like switches every single, every single race. I always liked Daniel Ricardo. Um, he's really down to earth. I used to like i used to like the ferrari drivers i also like pierre gasly but ricardo i think he was the first one to be uh spotlighted on the netflix series yeah and so i kind of like and he was on a couple a couple podcasts i listened to that he's just he's a really nice person Mm -hmm. he's got the most personality going and i can say his name you don't like Verstappen? Charles Leclerc? Eh, yeah. Okay. Charles good. I used to like him a lot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of boring. Um, have you ever considered dreadlocks? No. Cornrows? No. <laughs> Doing anything different with your short hair? No. Okay. Um, pie or cake? Cake. What flavor? White. White cake. Like vanilla. Okay. Or like, um, I like carrot cake too. Yeah. When you're recognized in public by a fan, how would you like them to greet you? I like when people tell me their names. I always end up asking because I like to know, but no particular reason or no, no particular way. Yeah. Just be friendly and I'll be friendly back. I always like, I always like it. It's always nice ego boost. Yeah. Um, funniest prank you've pulled 
on someone or had pulled on you. I can tell a story. Okay. And it was when, honestly, it was like a prank two and a half years in the making. And I have, I've never done anything pranky to you. We're not really pranksters. No, but I do like doing one thing and it's occasionally hiding and jumping out and scaring somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And I had refrained from doing that to Alex, not with like the explicit goal of, um, I'm going to do this later, but just like, I didn't know how you would react to it. And I, I didn't want you to get mad because it seemed like maybe something that you would hate. And so I waited until we were on vacation in Maui and I wish I had set up a camera before. I just, I decided last week, last minute that I was going to do it. And I'm like, Oh, it's time. And partially it's because the way the bedroom sets up and it's quite dark and the door opens and you can just sort of hide. So I hid behind the door. Um, Alex, you know, she walks into the bedroom and I just jump out and give her a little like, ah, and it was like blood curdling scream and like sustained it was like her arms went down and she just like opened her mouth and like he screamed for like a couple seconds and i was like that was perfect that was the best one i've ever done in my whole life and that was yeah so i guess that's the prank i uh for mother's day i think it was 2013 it was the first year i went to regionals maybe 2012 my mom was there. It was out in BC and I, it was her birthday cause mother's day and my mom's birthday fall usually on the same weekend. And it happened to be the weekend at regionals. And so I was like, Oh crap, I didn't get her anything for mother's day. So I was like, okay, um, looking around the hotel room. So I package up like a little, um, with newspaper, uh, the shower cap. No, <laughs> from the hotel the ones that come in the little box yeah yeah and i i package it up and i do up a little card and so we're at regionals i'm like i got you something special for mother's day and she like looked at it and it looks like um a jewelry box like the shape of it and so in her head she told me this after she's like oh my goodness like she got me some jewelry like this is and i never really you know we're not like a big presence family like i never have really gotten her anything super special and then so she's thinking like, wow, this is so nice and opens it up and it's the shower cap. But I think she thought it was really funny. So you got her a joke. Yeah. Her. Yeah. And then one time in Italy, when we were on a family vacation, my sister who thought she was hilarious did one of those, like we were looking over like a dock and it down below was like a lot of rocks and stuff. I don't know what in Europe, like there's no like safety protocols there. Yeah. There was like no fence or anything. And she took me from behind and like took me by the arms and was like, saved your life and like pushed me and like, and I almost shit my pants. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. And I turned around and smacked the shit out of her. (laughs) I was angry for like a day. And I think she was like, (laughs) I think I was 12 and she was 10. (laughs) So that was a great experience for both of us. (laughs) That is actually hilarious. (laughs) So good. (laughs) (laughs) okay um if you were robbing a bank would you be the robber or the getaway driver probably the getaway driver really because like your navigation is (laughs) terrible (laughs) 
that seems like a recipe for failure you have to navigate i thought maybe just straight shot down the road we have to know like how to get out of the i also don't like driving fast so maybe the bank robber yeah i don't think you'd be a very good bank robber though either you're too honest yeah you would like be like give me all your money and then the bank teller would be like what if i didn't and you'd be like okay (laughs) and then just leave i was uh i was treasurer for a couple of my sports teams in law school because i was voted most trustworthy i could see that yeah most straight laced yeah yeah um can you fold a fitted sheet not i mean i try if you put one of the corners in the other corner you go from there as long as it looks nice from the outside (laughs) (laughs) you don't know what's going on inside (laughs) it's turbulent inside but as long as it looks like a rectangle on the outside, I'm yeah. fine. Okay. So we'll go with that. Pencil you in for a maybe. Um, what's your favorite movie or TV show? Um, I'm a big fan of Survivor. Seen every season. All 40 of them. Yeah. 40, we're on 41 now. Yeah. 41 and a quarter. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite movies, well, I like Best in Show, which is like a classic um i'm also a huge fan of anything with like tina fey or Kristen wig involved so mean girls bridesmaids that sort of like comedy but smart comedy yeah not like dumb comedy like seth rogan comedy eh. but like tina fey comedy yeah i'm more interested in what's your favorite song oh gosh that's a tough one i don't know um i'm a huge fan of the offspring so pretty much any of their songs yeah i'm pretty sure the the lead singer of the offspring has like a phd in something he does um ridiculous do you know what it is no he also i think has a hot sauce company really yeah um he has a doctorate in molecular biology dexter holland smart yeah so that's pretty impressive um he's been published a few times i looked that up wow that's pretty cool yeah i've seen the offspring three times which is more than i've seen the offspring more than i think i've seen anybody else like the cute like all of the concerts i've seen yeah probably amounts to six yep and three of those are the offspring um yeah, the hot sauce is called Gringo Bandito. Huh. The not-so-famous pepper sauce created by Dexter Holland of the punk band The Offspring. Yeah, I guess his, his PhD is in molecular biology and virology, so he's a virologist. Hmm. I wonder what his take on the vaccine is. I <laughs> bet I know. <laughs> I Can't trust I, the experts. I bet I know the answer Can't to that. Can't trust the experts. Um, <clears throat> I had to had to google oh yeah i I remember reading this the offspring drum drummer got kicked out of the band right for for not not having the yeah for not having the covid19 vaccine so i think that tells you where they stand on that yeah peter pete parada is anti-vax dexter holland has a phd in virology so and wants you to get vaccinated interesting all right let's wrap it up shall we 
What are your long-term fitness goals, coaching goals, life goals? I don't know. This is the last question. You got to give it some effort. That is a tough one. We've kind of been like pondering that question together lately. Yep. So fitness, my goal in fitness is always just to like really enjoy what I'm doing. And so wherever that kind of takes me, I think right now I'm, I'm headed back more into the endurance sport direction, but with a side of strength, I really like that aspect of fitness like I do and I'll like CrossFit marathon running with a side of squats. Please. Yeah, actually. Um, and it just make, it makes you feel good and it's good for your body going into like older age <sighs> coaching goals. I think like I've, I always just want to be a better coach. I always want to help people the best way that I can. And so I'm very aware of the experiences I'm gathering from the people I'm currently coaching, try to do some reading and talk to Meredith and our other coaches. And, um, oh, probably as the business grows niche down a little bit in who I'm coaching, mm -hmm. uh, so that I'm, I'm offering, like, I'm the best coach for the people that I'm coaching kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then just keep growing the business and helping more and more people and setting people straight on nutrition information Yeah, from life. Um, well, Meredith and I have been discussing our plans forward. We are considering having kids, but... So involved. It is. It's a <laughs> lot. It's a lot to consider. There's a lot of pros and cons. Um, we need to get married. Also a lot going on there. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pros and cons there. We need someone to plan our wedding and also our for free. We need to plan someone our wedding. Um, for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like, I think we want to get a new truck eventually, keep mountain biking, do a little bit more traveling, but like different traveling than before. More like vacations, experiences, not necessarily fitness. Yep. Fitness related. And I don't know. Keep making us stronger. Yep. We're also working on making more friends. Which is harder than it sounds. It really is tough because a lot of people are super busy. Yeah. If you have any ideas on how to make friends as adults, let us know. Cause it's hard. It it's is. like a lot of people have kids and careers. And so you're like, Hey, do you want to be friends? And they're like, yeah, yeah, totally. And then you like, it's just hard. Yeah. Funny mountain biking is a pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's fairly social. Yeah. So do you have anything to add on, on our life? Gosh, I don't know. I just live a happy and healthy one and you know, a simple one, but not too simple. I get a lot of joy in simple pleasures. But you also like, like expensive things. Yeah, I guess in my mind, those are simple. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, what's more simple than a bike? Like, I like just being outside right. and enjoying outside and, but also doing, you know, doing it in a way where I get to use the fitness that I've developed over but the years. But not that bike. That bike. Yeah. <laughs> the one that's made from carbon. Um, and I think that's, that's one of the best things about where we are now with our 
fitness is that we, because we've kind of taken a step back from competing in CrossFit, we get to really like express it and use it in ways that are a bit more fun than just like crushing a wad in the gym mm-hmm. with your friends. And not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, I did that for many years and now I'm going to do something else. And that something else also opens the door to new people and new experiences and new places. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm at in the, I guess the short term and then, you know, long term. Who knows? Just see where, where life takes us. I think I'm not going to close any doors. I'm not going to force any to be open to me. And it's kind of the way that I've lived my life. And I'm lucky. Doors do tend to open to me. We'll see. The universe conspires. Every time we talk about having kids, it's like one of us is like, so what do you think? It's like the other person's like, ah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about this later yeah hard hard topic yep well thank you for um being okay with my (coughs) my little podcast surprise today those were tough questions i know i know you you got into a bit of a rhythm though and i thought they were so uh great work i'm really proud of you and please forgive me yeah for doing that we will do the boundary podcast uh Maybe the next one since we're all prepared for it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks Hopefully for listening. I did a good job under short notice. I think you did great. Yeah. The whole point was you were on the spot and we really, I think you minimized like long held pauses and that was great. So thanks. Good work. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.